Gentlemen, please welcome the founder and host of BuddyCast, Nick Sorensen. Good Wednesday, buddies. It's another episode of BuddyCast. I'm your host, Nick Sorensen, joined by our awesome napping on the job mascot, Nugget. And joining me today is the wonderful... Pastor Melinda Luke Melinda Hall, how you doing? Fine, thanks. Thanks for having me on, Nick. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us today. I'm honored because isn't today a special day for the church too? Or today? yeah, I thought oh. I read somewhere today like the church passed uh, something like years ago or something. Oh, I think it did. Yeah, 45 anniversary or something. You're right. Yeah, I should pay more attention to that. I tend to get like <laughs> too new, too too local. I <laughs> 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 think think about what's happening here. So. Mm-hmm. So. I got to start out by asking, what inspired you to become a preacher? What inspired inspired you to take your faith to the next level? Um, so I think in my tradition, I serve in the Episcopal tradition of the, mm-hmm. the Christian branch. We talk a lot about calling, that this isn't something that like you just one day decide you're going to do. And so I think that holds true for my experience. It wasn't anything I imagined. I actually grew up in a more non-denominational kind of setting. And uh, women didn't even serve in this kind of role, so it never really entered my head and became sort of a project of a lot of like rethinking faith and unlearning some things and taking on new ways of understanding that in college and that sort of thing. Um, so it, it grew out of that. And then as a result of some some changes I made in college about what I was studying, uh, ended up going to seminary. Still didn't think I was going to do this kind of work. thought I was going to do like nonprofit, uh, social justice kinds of oriented work. Uh, but the seminary I attended you got to spend your first kind of internship in a church and the second one can be in anything. So I thought, well, I'm going to get this church thing over with. And I guess it wasn't over with me. (laughs) (laughs) And so uh, by the end of it, the the pastor I was serving under, I was serving a small Presbyterian church that summer sort of said, uh, Hey, I think we got to have a, have a chat about this. And so it began to unfold from there. Nice. So your faith just began from there and then you took the next steps and now you are, pastor of one of the most beautiful churches I've ever seen. <laughs> That's really nice of you, Nick. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot in between, and it was a long kind of winding sort of road. In the Episcopal Church, you, um, you sort of have a, a parish that that takes you, and you just do discernment with them. Uh, involves a lot of lay people and you talking about, like, okay, what, what's God really doing here, and is it legit? Like, do we sense it, too? Because there's a sense in the Episcopal Church, like, you don't just get to decide, like, oh, I feel this thing. I feel God's calling us. It has to be certified by the community. And then uh, you work with, we're divided into geographic regions known as dioceses, so then you begin working with, with the diocese, and there's a whole sort of steps towards ordination that unfold with steps uh, through seminary, and uh, then you're provisionally ordained in our tradition as a deacon, and then and then as a priest. So yeah, it was a it was a good journey for me. I have nothing but positive things to say about the folks who worked with me and the way that they walked with me through the process and helped me understand what this meant. So. Awesome, that's a beautiful beautiful story. Now, on the topic of the church that you are at, you're stationed mm-hmm. at. Um, St. Paul's Cathedral right now, which is in the heart of Erie, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. 
how did you how did you um get stationed there like when did you find out about that um that you were going to be that you were well, going so to be I there? think um I, I think I would describe it not to pick on you, Nick, but different as stationed. Like in our tradition, mm -hmm. actually, there's a whole search process that happens. So mm -hmm. um, churches would make like a profile. Their their previous priest would leave, and so they would create kind of a profile of who they think they are, and spend some time drilling into what is their core identity, and then post that. And then we're actually within our diocese and beyond, as long as we're having conversations with our bishop, um, pretty much largely free agents. Um, and so it, it unfolds actually like a normal sort of job interview process to us with multiple visits and multiple interviews. You just have the added bonus of like preaching for people or, you know, those sorts of things also that you would probably expect. So um, I was serving in two rural congregations in the kind of still in northwestern Pennsylvania. We were beginning to feel like um, for a lot of reasons, our time there was coming to an end. And uh, I you know, noticed that the cathedral position here was coming up and was feeling like a lot of my gifts and skills align with uh, more urban ministry. And I like this diocese, I like our bishop. Uh, and so began sort of the conversation with them. And so in the end, it resulted in an election to this position. Beautiful. You learn something new every day. I didn't know there was some, <laughs> I didn't know that was the process. Yeah, yeah, it's different than a lot. I mean, I think every denomination, right, ends up having its own kind of process, but that's, that's ours. Mm -hmm. And we create online profiles too. So you yeah. can even get them kind of matched in a weird like that's nice because i know with the roman catholic it's like one day you're at this parish and then the next day literally with the order of the bishop you're somewhere else like no ifs ands or buts you know like you're you establish yourself beautifully in this parish everything's going great the next day announcement i've been moved to you know so and so like i've been moved to this parish so thank you for the wonderful time or whatever but Mm -hmm. Yeah, ours generally doesn't. There are some there are some ways that could happen in this tradition, but that mm -hmm. is not the normative in my yeah. experience way that it operates. Mm -hmm. So, being at St. Paul's, what have your thoughts been of the parish? What are your thoughts like? How 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 has it been since you since you've been a part of the church? It's been really good, but it's been really odd because you have mm -hmm. to know that I started in October of 2019. So. Mm -hmm. Six months in, then we have the great virus uh, yep. approach. So I felt like I was just sort of figuring out how it works and stepping into kind of a much bigger role than I'd held before, one that involved a lot more management and that kind of thing. But I think uh, never would I wish COVID ever. So don't mm. miss me saying this, but I think there's ways to find, um, you know, you have to live in the present moment. And if, 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 we're not in the present. So taking advantage of sort of what did that mean and finding different ways to cultivate relationships with people and even beginning, um, you know, the Cathedral of St. Paul is now in kind of a creative relationship with St. Mark's Episcopal, which is uh, in Erie, about three miles, um, which takes you to the edge of like <laughs> edge of the city, almost to the <laughs> suburbs. And, um, you know, I think that accelerated in ways I wouldn't have imagined you develop different relationships with people. So I, you know, this is a great, this is a great place. Um, good things are happening here. People have been kind to me, uh, which I, I don't think you can always say about a place. And uh, it's full of, it's full of good energy and vibrancy. And um, I'm delighted to be a part and feel honored to be a part of what's happening here. Awesome. Now, for anyone who wants to learn more about the church, are there any events coming up that you can tell us oh, about? That? Yeah, for sure. Um, so we have a lot of, I, I can bracket them into different things. Um, mm -hmm. We have a lot of, so of course we have Sunday morning at, at eight and then at 10 is sort of the bigger liturgy with music and we have choir and it's a traditional kind of feel. Um, and then we also have quite a few, 
what I would say, uh, midweek spirituality kind of things happening, or at least like different offerings. So second Sundays of the month is always Taizé, which is worship that comes from a French community with really kind of music that has simplistic, not simplistic, but um, easy to memorize words in order to cultivate meditation. And that happens at St. Mark's. And then the fourth Sunday of the month is like a contemplative kind of sun compline in our cathedral. Lots of candles come and just like, you know, even lay down on a pew and just be blessed by what's happening there. At the end mm. of the month, we're super excited. This guy named George Wolf, who used to be a professor at Ball State, he was at Chautauqua this summer. He's uh, works for their, he was a professor there and he's a gifted musician. And he works a lot with, with mindfulness and was a part of their center for peace. And so he's going to be with us Sunday morning, September 26th, and then in the evening, and then again in Tuesday evening, September 28th, he plays saxophone and First Nation flute. He's going to be like doing lots of cool stuff like that. Then in October, we have on Wednesday nights, we're going to have a whole series of formation opportunities, which is what we sort of consider that, you know, you're never done growing in Jesus Christ. So there'll be something for kids and a, and a choice of several different programs for adults plus dinner. I'm excited about that. And uh, we're having Fall Fest, like food and fun. We sponsor a mm. food truck uh, with our school that we partner, the Charter School for Excellence. So on Sunday, whatever the second Sunday in October is, well, food truck, face painting, blessing of the animals. Uh, bunch of other stuff i think uh ember and forge we're gonna see if they'll be here see about icing on the lake so should be fun plus we have another gardening opportunity with the international institute at the end of the month lots going on with packing food for homelessness so i think mm -hmm. that's a lot of me talking about what we got going on hey we love it it's all on our website that uh, cathedral of st paul.org so you said cathedral of st paul.org yep that's us while I'm typing that in real quick. Um, do you let's talk about glory stories. Um, this is what I call I call them glory stories. Has there ever been someone that's come up to you after a service or just something that's really impacted your faith by a story they told, like because of you, because of a message you shared today, like a gospel reading or um, just something they heard in mass today? This is a story that's going on with their life. Like this is an answer to them like yeah you know. i mean there's a lot of conversations that happen about a lot of things um that obviously you know as a priest you have the the invitation and the privilege of serving people wherever they are and in sort of their highest moments right their baby gets to be baptized they get to get married and their lowest moments um the funeral the unexpected mm. <laughs> funeral um, those sorts of things, or just rock bottoming out about what's purpose and what's meaning. And so I think constantly that people share things with me about their lives is a great gift that I hold very close to my heart and feel um, always honored to be invited into that space with someone. Um, so those, those stories are, are many, I think. Um, mm -hmm. It's one of the gifts of the job. <laughs> I think it's one of the reasons mm -hmm. to keep doing it. Um, yes. You know that God is at work not that I do it, but God is at work, you know, creating spaces in which people encounter God and they get to be mm -hmm. part of that, which is really pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. I actually have a glorious story for you that I just remembered. So I was part of a ministry called Heart as Nails Ministries. Um, and so I was a missionary there. And this one day, for some reason, my grandfather was on my heart. Now he had passed a year before this, you know, um, was just, I thought, you know, you never fully over it, but I thought, you know, I've come to that center of peace. So why today? Like, what's going on today, you know? And we went to this one event in New Jersey. And the entire time, 
I mean, half the people that they were sharing about a loss of someone they loved, mm. you know, just like a grandparent or a parent or just something. So I'm like, okay, I'm starting to see the fruit of this. I'm starting to see why he's on my heart. And then this one kid, you know how like when people tell you they struggle with a loss because it's like you you and I know what it, or it's like to lose somebody. Like you and I know what it's like to lose, say, a grandparent or something like that. But, you know, there's still that level there. There's still that little like barrier there that it's like there's something different between our losses that really like makes it difficult to relate to or something like that. So that's kind of what I was dealing with. I'm like, everyone knows mm. what it's like to lose a grandparent, but does anyone know what it's like to lose my grandparent, you know? And this one kid got up and was sharing the story of how he lost his grandmother. So I'm like, okay, I'm listening. I'm listening. And then as his story is going on, the more I find myself in the background, because I was like standing behind the stage or something, and I'm just going, yes, that, that's exactly it. Finally, someone gets that. No way, him too. Like, no, this can't be happening right now. Like, just the entire his entire story. So, as missionaries, you're called to pray with these, you know, with people who share similar experiences with you. So I started out, you know, when he first started introducing a story, I'm like, okay, I could see myself praying with this kid. I finally went over and said, I'm praying with this kid if it's the last prayer I say today. <laughs> so I. Ask you know, so I go up and I shake his hand afterwards, and I say, "Hey, do you mind praying with me real quick?" Yeah, sure, absolutely. So I introduce myself and say why well, I wanted to pray with him. I say, you know, I just your story is so similar to mine, and we just start talking. Normally, this just takes like five minutes, you know, something like that—a quick intro, a quick prayer—and you know, send him on their way. We ended up talking for over a half hour just about our whole experience like and everything we were saying we found was exactly the same like relics i don't have them on me but my grandfather gave me these two rings um his grandmother gave him a necklace or something and like even just sharing how one time i almost lost one of those rings he got a look on his face like like as if though he just like saw death or something he like just everything to the bone and the kid finally told me you know, I never met someone who truly understood what I was going through until today. So just wanted yeah. to share that little story. No, on that's that, a know. beautiful story of sort of the, I was thinking about like this, the spirit and the serendipity of like when we're paying attention, right? These mm -hmm. things where our lives coalesce with the lives of others in ways that are just, you can't predict mm -hmm. and you can't pretend they're coincidence anymore because as your story demonstrates, um, you know, mm -hmm. it's just beyond you. Yep. A good, <laughs> yeah. uh, a good um, quote that I always refer to is from C.S. Lewis. True friendship is born when one friend says to another, you too? <laughs> I thought I was the only one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I remember so, I studied English literature and one of the adages is like, what makes for good literature, right? Is like, we think that everything is just so personal to us, but that which is personal is also that which is sometimes most universal. Perfect. And finding ourselves sharing these sort of same pieces mm -hmm. of our journey with one another when we're actually listening yep. for them. It's powerful. Mm -hmm. Now, speaking of reading, speaking of universal, you know, you and I follow the gospel. Is there a certain gospel reading or passage or just even a Bible verse that relates to your life the most or that you feel most drawn to? So I got a couple I think mm -hmm. I need to mention. 
Um, and they kind of ebb and flow, right? But I think the one of the ones that's been with me for a long time is this chapter, is chapter 40 in Isaiah, second, second Isaiah. And um, well, it, <laughs> that was a technical statement. Uh, we, we, you know, in scholarly material, you take the whole book of the prophet Isaiah and it's written over different periods of time. So in the second writing piece, mm-hmm. I love, I love that chapter because it, it reminds me that I mean, sometimes I get caught thinking, oh my gosh, the world's such a, such a messy place. We, we gotta, we gotta do all these things at once. You know, what, what am I supposed to do about climate change? And what am I supposed to do about uh, what's happening overseas? And what am I supposed to do about homelessness, even in my own city? It, it, it feels so big. Isaiah 40 talks about like, well, have, have you really weighed the, the islands? I mean, cause God has, and they're like dust in a bucket to God. And uh, have you really seen how big, you know? And so it's just, it puts me back in, in perspective, a right perspective, because it's not on me. I do what is mine to do. And sometimes I can get caught um, thinking too large. So it reminds me, you know, have you not heard? No, you're right. I need to rehear who God mm-hmm. is. I think too, there's a story of Jacob. Uh, Jacob's about to meet his brother Esau and they had a huge feud and Jacob's finally gonna meet him. And he doesn't actually know what Esau is going to do because Jacob was a pretty big jerk to Esau, uh, tricked him, did all kinds of stuff. And that night the stranger comes and wrestles with Jacob and they wrestle really hard. Jacob says, I'm not gonna let you go until you bless me. I'm not gonna let you go. And the stranger can't get away. The stranger gives him a new name in that moment and kind of wounds him. And he walks with a limp, but he has this new name and this new identity. And I think the idea of wrestling with God, um, I think I mentioned earlier, I'm sure I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. it wasn't really what I expected for my life. And there's a lot of wrestling with God, I think that mm-hmm. happens. As you wrestle with what God is, where, where is God in the world and what what is happening. And so, and I think lately this, there's a story in the Gospels. Um, this guy named Lazarus dies. Mm-hmm. He's really good friends with Jesus. And uh, his sister, Mary and Martha, they say, Jesus, like, you're healing everybody. If you just come, like, you could probably heal Lazarus. And Jesus, like, drags his feet. He waits, like, another four days. And he tells the disciples, like, well, the outcome's going to be pretty good. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and it seems that Jesus knows that what he's going to do is go raise Lazarus from the grave. So he delays. And by the time he gets there, Lazarus is dead. And both sisters are kind of like, you know, Jesus, uh, we told you. And like, if you just come a little bit sooner, uh, he wouldn't be dead. And Jesus doesn't say, hey, Mary, guess what? I'm going to do this great triumphalist thing. I'm going to like raise Lazarus. from." What he says is, where is he buried? Because I think he's really moved by Mary. I mean, she's surrounded by all these grieving people. Her face is tear streaked. you got to see the real scene. She's been weeping. Her eyes, she looks like a crying person. It's not a pretty sight. And he's moved. And the text says like Jesus wept, right? We make a lot of deal out of that, but it's actually like, well, he knows the outcome, but he's still weeping because like there's still grief. There's still loss. And we, I don't know. I think the Christian tradition of like is guilty of moving people too pat, too, too fast past grief. Mm-hmm. So it's like actually Jesus stops. He actually cries about it because there's actually a lot worth lamenting, but he doesn't stop there. Right. He goes, he's like, okay, well, we're going to, could you open the tomb? And I love Martha. She's so practical. She's like, actually, it's going to smell real bad. So please don't do that. And he's like, no, really <laughs> let's do it. And so you imagine the scene of all these people moving away, moving away the stone, right? And they're all stepping back and running away and grabbing their handkerchiefs. And Jesus steps forward and he walks into the darkness. And I think, isn't that the truth? That God is mm-hmm. always walking in the darkness to find us wherever we are. And I think that's a powerful statement that there is no fear, no depression we can be in, no dark place we can be in, that God's not afraid to go um, from, from any moment to our last moment in peace or in violence. And Jesus then says to Lazarus, like, you know, come out. And life speaks into darkness, right? Um, mm-hmm. And Lazarus is unbound. And I just think there's power in that, that God calls all the forces from us. And what the offer of Christianity really is, is like coming out of whatever the darkness is into whatever the new light, death exactly. and resurrection, death and resurrection. Exactly.
Right. Um, it's not about the end of life. It's about like <laughs> now. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that end of life isn't a, isn't a thing, but if you know love now, it's a fluid, seamless, the love you know holds you in this life. When you die, you open your eyes and you're still in the same seamless love. And so I think just with some things that have happened in our parish lately, that story really has hit me in kind of a profound place. So Yes. And what I love about that story too, because I love that story too, um, I love that it shows both Jesus as, hu as human and as God. You know, it shows him that he wept. He still cries with us. You know, he still has feelings. He's not just some spiritual being that's just walking on this earth. Like you could say, my brother just got murdered last night. I don't call it blood. And he'll just be, you know, like just giving you some like yeah. teaching or something. You know, yeah. he says like, you know, he says, I feel you. I'm here. Come with me. I will give you comfort. I will give you rest. You know? So oh, he's just, yeah, I do. Mm hmm. So, but at the same time, he's God. He's the one who can raise someone from the dead. He's the you know, he's the answer. He is the one that has the direct connection that we all hope for one day. You know, right? And like, if you wanted to ask me, if we shifted your question, said like, Melinda, what is mm -hmm. the church doctrine that you think is like most influential in your life? And it would actually be the Trinity, right? Like, people think that the Trinity is like this esoteric thing, and it is. Because it, it says, like, God is one, but God is three persons, right? And so we name them traditionally Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to keep the relationship, right? But we know God's not. In my tradition, we confess God isn't male, right? You could name mm -hmm. the creator, redeemer, sustainer, but we do Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to keep this relationship. And, like, dating back to the 350s, you've got the, the Cappadocian Fathers talking about, like, this radical love, like a water wheel, right? That, like, the Father perfectly pours into the Spirit, perfectly pours into the Son. And just as they're emptying, they're filled. And just as they're emptying, they're filled. Or the great idea of the dance, right? The constant mutual indwelling dance. And I think, like, the power of that, right? That, that God, when we say God is love, we don't mean God just, like, loves people. We mean that, like, in who God is, is an ontological statement, right? That who God's being is, is love. God mm -hmm. is relationship. And like, that's the invitation, right? Jesus comes to show us what relationship looks like. And the invitation is come be part of the Trinitarian love. Come find yourself beloved, join the water wheel, join the dance. And I think that has profound implications because you can talk a lot about unity and diversity. What is mutuality of love? What is real love? What is the real invitation of life? And I think mm -hmm. I mean, that has that profoundly colors positively. I mean, I guess that sounds like a negative phrase, but it positively shapes, I guess, the way I think about most things. <laughs> yeah. And you're absolutely right. Like I always think, you know, from these, like from that reading, for example, you know, sometimes we have to go into darkness to find that love. We have to go into a dark time. You know, we have to go through a loss. We have to go through, you know, pain. Like we have to weep in front of Jesus in order, like there's a song out there. It's called broken pieces. You know, doesn't matter where you are, doesn't matter where you've been, he's looking for someone like you. Like, there's that great saying out there that, like, you know, all these saints or all these, like, role models in the Bible had something wrong with them, had some, had some flaw. Like, you know, this person stuttered, this person, you know, denied, you know, Peter denied Jesus right in front right. of him, you know, um, this person ran from God, you know, like Jonah ran from God. Jonah just literally like jumped on a boat and said, see ya. Or like, I'm out. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like all these, all these saints had these problems with them, but yet in the end, something great happens, you know, in the end, Peter inherits the church in the end, Jonah saves, you know, like it's all about, like, it's all about God, not calling the qualified, but qualifying the cult.
you know? Right. It's yeah, saying like, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. It's saying like, he's looking for people like you and me who let's face it on a normal day, you know, we're no, you know, we can admit we're nowhere near St. Like, you know, just go, just go catch us on a, just go catch us during rush hour and you'll see, we are nowhere near St. Like, you know, but at the same time, he still has, you know, he still called you to the church. He still has called us every Sunday. He calls us back and just says, just come spend an hour with me, you know? Well, or like, you know, scripture is a story, not of a bunch of rules. It's a story of God walking with people who are broken, right? Mm-hmm. We have these treasures in earth and jars, says Peter. And like all of us still make myriad mistakes, but you're right. God finds all of us and calls us to do the thing. I mean, that's the thing. We talk about calling in the church as something that just happens to people who happen to wear one of these, but it actually happens to people like, you know, you, I got to get yeah. the directions right on your, yeah. you know, you're, you're called to do this podcast in which people get to hear things and find connection with people or the accountant who's called to help people with friends and the, the teacher. I've been thinking a lot about, te- you know, we've got several people who've started at public school for the first time this year. And what, what, what is that calling, you know, and, and, and that we're not perfect. The journey is never mm-hmm. perfect. And the saints mm-hmm. of God are never perfect. That just, just being a saint of God is the invitation to know yourself loved. Right. Mm-hmm. And to live from a place uh, and to see yourself every day in a frame of love that holds you and holds everybody else. Um, and I think that's a profound way um, to read scripture. Um, not a set of Exactly. Rules. <laughs> not a set of exactly. people. Exactly. So now I got to ask you, what are your hopes and dreams for the church? Like, what do you, what do you hope, what do you pray for most when it comes to the church? And when you say, I just want to be clear, yeah. there are, there's like church as in like, the Episcopal church, there's church yeah. like everywhere. There's like the church I serve. Like, yeah, I can Let's answer. The, I mean, it's a lot the yeah. same, but it's also like, yeah. Let's go I with, still, Saint, let's go with the uh, St. Paul's. Let's, let's keep it at that. So I think we have, we say we're a church in the heart of the city. And I think we have mm-hmm. the opportunity to really dialogue and be in relationship with parts of the city for the sake of the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I really pray that we drill down into knowing what our gifts are. Uh, figuring out our values and our culture and living from that uniqueness because every church with a lowercase c right has Mm -hmm. its own particular strengths and gifts and part of the challenge is not to be that one over there and not to be that one over there but to be who the embodiment of christ in the way that we're gifted and so for us that looks like we're a downtown church we have an, an episcopal way of living in the world we have a set of already partnerships in the city um We have people who are extremely committed to a kind of depth of spirituality and to making that known in the world. So how do we piece all that together in order to live the love of God for our neighbors in this place right now, which means taking on new skills. It means letting some things go. And so I think if we can figure that out, I mean, and we are, but I think it's like, you're never done. Like we're never done growing like institutions aren't either. Mm -hmm. They die. Right. I mean, I also happen to have like a, like a real institutional organizational kind of bent about structures and management and those sorts of things mattering. Um, if we're going to talk about like church as an institution also, but I think we have the opportunity to reclaim a bunch of stuff that was always part of our practice uh, as the church grounded centeredness to be a centered presence in the world. Uh, there's a lot of divisions in our society. I don't want to take us away, but um the church has the possibility for bridging gaps. The church is a mm-hmm. space that could bring people together who maybe don't talk to each other. The, the church is a place that says, you and I don't agree. Where, where can we actually listen 
find ourselves heard and build a common ground. And I think the church broadly has the opportunity that the Episcopal church particularly has the opportunity to do that. And this church individually does. And so I guess that requires a lot of um, knowing who you are and authenticity requires a lot of institutional and individual humility requires a lot of openness to the other with whom one disagrees, but it also requires like openness and hearing others doesn't necessarily mean you have to agree with them or go with what they say. Uh, that there's always a stance Martin Luther said, you know, here I stand, I can do no other. And I'm going to take that and say that about like issues of justice and those sorts of things. Like we might be willing to hear you, but in the end, uh, let us pray that we stand for the thing that is just, that is right, that brings peace into the world, that makes for human flourishing and wholeness, right? And so I think we have the opportunity to speak to those things and to um, confess and lament the past when we have not done that. Those two things go together. And so I think, yeah, is that... Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> you want uni you want unity and you want everyone to come together for the common good. For just to make church that meeting place, make the church that place of look, you may you know, I may be this, you may be that, but in this church we yeah. are one. You and know? grounding that in the love of God, because um, there are a lot of good nonprofits that are doing that work too. Yes. Uh, but we're, we're we're grounded in the love of God. And so I think our call is to, you know, we don't start new programs here. We Erie has a legions of great other organizations who are nonprofits. We pull alongside and say the love of God invites us to be present to your organization to help these homeless people get lunch to mm -hmm. talk about. I mean, I think we're also talking about like what does not just charity look like, but what does advocacy look like? You know, charity and justice go together. And what is the piece of, of advocacy work that says like, okay, great, we'll give you the sandwich, but why do you need it in the first place? I mean, and I don't mean on an individual mm -hmm. level, I mean like on a systemic, what is the, you know, I think we're going to have to have some conversations about mental health. Yes. Um, and, and the problems that our system isn't equipped to deal with, you know, and, and I don't, people, there are great people working on that project, but where, where are more funds for that? Where, where, why, why aren't we talking more about that? Um, yes. So all of those things, I think it's time for the church to kind of begin to talk about that. And it's possible to do it in a nonpartisan way that mm -hmm. Jesus actually calls us into the arena with people, which means there's a political implication to that politics, just being how we live together. Right. But there doesn't have to be a partisan sway to that. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not going to choose a side in a red and a blue way. I'm just going to stand for this particular thing. And I think we have to figure out how to do that. We've been reticent to do it. Um, exactly. But there's no time like the present. <laughs> exactly. Now, you mentioned nonprofits out there. I always ask these next three questions to my buddies as they come on the show. I don't call them guests. I call them buddies. And the, que the first question for you is if you could have our audience donate to one charity of your choice, what would it be and why? So uh, you sent me this question in advance and I'm going to just defy you and say I have three. Okay. Yeah. So, um, and they, they kind of go, I, um, we give to a yeah. lot of different stuff. I have a lot of different passions. It kind of ebbs and flows with what I think is pressing at the moment. So thanks for giving me the floor to talk about yeah. the Near East School of Theology, which is located in Beirut, Lebanon. So for those of you who don't know what's going on in Lebanon, it's a disaster. It's a major currency crisis based on a flawed system of governance that has corruption rooted to the core. I spent a semester. I had like, the blessing of spending a semester at the Near East School. They are the ecumenical Protestant seminary for the Middle East. So Palestinian students, Egyptian students, um, Syrian students, and they train, I mean, they were doing amazing work, training people to go into Syria and deal with children who were traumatized, uh, all that kind of stuff. So you can give to the Near East School of Theology through the Presbyterian Church online, uh, and then you don't have to worry about wiring your account or all those things. They do good work. 
Beirut is a mess. Uh, so any other organization that wants to help Lebanon is close to my heart. Mm-hmm. Second organization, also broad scope, because I don't know where your audience is, but Women for Women International is an incredible organization uh, in which you can sort of adopt a sister. And they're working on equipping women. They're put in cohorts. They're given skills. They're, they're to, and, and the research is clear that societies that treat women more equally are societies that are more peaceful, that are more just in general. And so I've sponsored women from Rwanda and Uganda and Afghanistan, a couple from Afghanistan, um, Nigeria, Tanzania, all sorts of places. Um, and you, you are paired and have a relationship. If you're another woman, you can just give to them in general. I think it's great. And so that issue of women is obviously close to my heart. And so on a more localized note, like if we think America, here's my mic drop, I guess, if we think America is a place where women are equal or not experiencing violence, that's not true. Domestic mm. violence is a massive problem. It's oh, a massive yes. issue. It is. Um, in the small ways to the large ways, increasingly so on internet. Um, you know, however you want to define that, the, I know bullying probably isn't necessarily domestic violence, but it's certainly harassment is certainly awful. Having spent some time on a school board, the stuff that's happening. So anyway, in that iteration, I live in Erie. So SafeNet is our domestic violence place to give funds to, but I am sure where you are, there's some way to support that. That is a support for women. That is a support for children. And, um, you know, we have to think about our own society and, and if women are not treated well or people who are different um, our trans friends, those sorts of buddies, our trans buddies, <laughs> say, or our, our gay and lesbian friends, or just people who um, are perceived of as different are not treated well. That's a problem. Mm-hmm. And it reflects on our society. So mm-hmm. I'm done preaching, I guess. And yeah. this would say, that's beautiful. Those three organizations. <laughs> that's beautiful. And we take a stance here. We take a stance here at BuddyCast that's very similar to one reason I was driven to the Episcopalian church. Doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter your race, gender, age, your sexual orientation, doesn't matter who you are. You know, I read one time on a, on a church website, just get out of jail, you're welcome. Just, you know, you're gay, you're welcome. You know, everyone is welcome here at BuddyCast, no matter what, who you are, you're a buddy, you know, and that's how you'll be seen. You won't be seen as, oh, Melinda the pastor or, um, you know, oh, uh, Nick, the little guy or whatever. You're seen as Melinda, my buddy, yeah. you yeah. know? I think that's profound. And that's what the Episcopal yes. Church, I mean, lots of churches say uh, we welcome everybody, but like actually the Episcopal Church and the Cathedral of St. Paul, like we mean it. Literally welcomes we really mean everybody. It. Yeah, yeah, we do a lot of work with pride. We do, you know, we yeah. do a lot of stuff to make sure. Uh, and we, we can up our game still. Uh, and I think mm-hmm. coming out of COVID, there's more opportunities. But yeah, mm-hmm. because God, God holds us all. Yes. Jesus Christ died for in my confession is Jesus Christ died for everybody. And exactly. That was, choice, that was a choice God made. <laughs> exactly. Not a choice I made. <laughs> God a has decided hum- that. <laughs> yeah. Throwing a little humor into this. I don't know if you've ever if you've ever watched The Office or not. No, back in the day. Um, yep. So there was a there's a meme that says you know God says to love everybody, and you know it's Jesus preaching, but he said God is you know God says to love everybody, and then someone speaks up. What about these people? This people? This people? And then Jesus becomes like the the face of Stanley, and he says, "Did I stutter?" Oh, so true. Yeah, yeah. and I think like Augustine to like be to like go along with it. Augustine says like, you know, I can't ever love everybody. I don't have the capacity, but God does. Mm-hmm. And so trusting God to love people for me when I when I can't um, exactly and taking that really seriously is important. I think. Exactly. So no, God did God did not stutter. Hmm. <laughs> Yep. Now, another question that I ask all my buddies on this show is, 
in your own words, what does it mean to be someone's buddy? I mean, I think it means to pull alongside someone, um, to listen and create space for that person, to be who they are, and kind of do the journey of life together. Um, that can mean difficult conversations, I think, at times. But it also means the joy of just like actual relationship for the sake of relationship, not trying to make someone like you, not trying to change someone, not desperately needing someone in a way that's unhealthy, but the ability to create space for one another to be who we are and to actually like listen, <laughs> like the story you shared, right? Like listening from a deep place to other people's lives and finding that it's surprising. We're all human. So we mm -hmm. all have some innate things that connect us to one another. And even when we don't think it's possible. Um, and so I think that would be my, my answer. Love it. Love <laughs> it. You're right. We are all human. Just like the song, just like the song says, mm. you know, in God's eyes, we're all the same. One day, we're all going to have perfect wings. You know? <laughs> no matter who we are. Fat, thin, short, tall, deaf, blind. Hey, aren't we all? You know? Right. We're all held in love forever. Exactly. Exactly. And now, my buddy, it's time for what we call the ultimate buddy cast buddy question. You ready for this? <laughs> I don't know. Am I? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm going to take a drink think, of water. I think you are. So for anybody who wants to take their faith to the next level, whether it's to become a preacher in a church or whether it's to just get more involved in their church, what is your advice to them? I think faith is always a gift, first off. Um, it's not something we create or fake it. And if we do, mm -hmm. we're in big trouble. Mm -hmm. So I would just say that God is each of, working in each of our hearts, um, calling us forward calling us forward to the next loving thing. And I think a piece of that is that we have to create space to learn to hear that. And I think no matter where we are on our faith journey, there's something about creating enough silence and solitude in our lives to encounter God. Um, for some people, that's going to mean uh, slowing down parts of the rhythm of their lives. I mean, for me, it means I get up, I have a two-year-old, right? So I get mm -hmm. up a little bit early to have some quiet space. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, you know, journaling is a practice people use. I think that's why we have worship as a practice. You know, we offer a lot of different styles, of guided meditation and different spirituality options so people can be centered, reading things that help us do that. You know, um, Teresa Vavella talks about our interior self as a castle. And some of us go through life so quickly we don't even know we have it. But the invitation is to know who you are deeply. Uh, and that takes spending time with God and whatever they were, that is cultivating a listening ear. I think it looks mm -hmm. differently for each of us. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know if that gets, I think for yeah. folks who are feeling like, a, like God is calling them into some sort of clergy role, it's difficult to speak to because it's so different in every tradition. Um, but it certainly requires listening with other people. Um, I would say that's true. Yes. All about listening, all about listening love it and before i forget this just popped into my head speaking of like all this um i just want to throw in a little plug in before we end our show we are bringing back our charity event um we have a little buddy who i'm asking you to pray for um her name is lottie she's one year old mm -hmm. and she is about to go into open heart surgery to fix the little holes in her heart she's the sweetest little thing like she if you see this child your heart melts instantly um she was born prematurely so she's been fighting ever since her life began you know like she like she her life has been a fight ever since day one 
So something like this, we know we know she can t- conquer this fight, but we need your buddy's help. You know, we're not asking you to help fund her surgery fully. What we're asking for is just a little help for the family. You know, if no matter, I always say every little bit helps when it comes to charity. Every little bit helps because you never know the impact of one dollar. You know, that dollar could be the major turning point for an organization or something. You know, um. But this money is going towards the family just to help them, whether it's helping them with the surgery cost, whether it's helping them with their um, expenses, whether it's helping with just like a hotel stay or just their next meal so they don't have to worry about that, you know, because you have when whenever you have a loved one going through surgery, you know that there's a million things on your mind. And the last thing you're thinking of is, okay, where am I going to go eat? I haven't eaten since we've gotten here or what am I going to do with the, like, I have to, you know, we have to spend the night at a hotel or something. Okay. The last thing you want to be worrying about is finances. So we, as Lottie's buddies, as the show is going to be called, are going to do that. So I just wanted to throw that plug in and ask if you could please pray for this, pray for our little buddy, you know, just please, yeah. if you could just help us rally some support, just even if it's spiritual support, we would greatly appreciate it. Cause you know, this is our little buddy. This is our um, one of my favorite Elton John songs is Tiny Dancer. And this is definitely our Tiny Dancer. This is our, <laughs> you know. And speaking of that, just to let everyone in who will be listening to the show later on, um, one of our guests for the show is a man by the name of Adam Chester. Adam actually sits in for Elton John during rehearsals. And he's agreed to come on and sing Tiny Dancer for our little buddy. So, Oh, that'll be awesome. Yeah. We've got that. We've got um, Father Sean coming in to do the opening prayer, to do a little blessing for the show to make sure everything goes right, you know? Great. We've got magicians. We've got uh, motivational speakers. We're really mixing it up this round, you know? That sounds fantastic. Yes. So just wanted to throw that plug in. And I finally just wanted to end the show with thanking you so much for taking the time to join us. It was a pleasure it's always great talking with you. You made me feel welcome from the day I stepped in the church, not knowing a thing about it. Like, okay. And like I told you before, I'm very thankful for those programs that you give in the beginning. So it's not like we're just a lost duckling. Like, uh, No, a full text yeah. bulletin is essential. But no, I mean, the privilege is mine. I was like, you want me to come on your podcast? Like, I'm not important enough to be Everyone's on your podcast. Everyone's important. So. It was, uh, it was really lovely to be invited mm-hmm. and have the opportunity. So yes. I'm grateful to you, Nick. <laughs> Thank you. And as I said before, in God's eyes, we're all the same. We're all important and we're all buddies. So Amen. thank you for being Amen. a buddy on the show. And I've got one favor to ask you before we close out the show. Yepper. Go be someone's buddy today. All right. Will do. All righty, buddies. We'll catch you all next time here on everybody's favorite podcast, BuddyCast. Well, the days are going fast Buddy, buddy, we've got to make them last Buddy, buddy, before they've all gone past Buddy, buddy, tune in to Buddy Cats Don't be lonely, go make it, buddy Here on Buddy Cats Hey, buddies, you thinking of starting your own podcast? Why not use Anchor? It's the easiest way to make a podcast, and here's why. First off, it's free. Secondly, you have creation tools to record and edit right from your phone or computer. Third, Anchor distributes for you. You can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Fourth, make money 
with no minimum listenership. And finally, you have everything you need for a podcast all in one place. So what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started.